Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcasts, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature center paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms, through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Welcome to our show. My name is Deborah Rose, and I'm your host on Circle Talk. Circle Talk is one of the shows featured on CSNP, Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast. CSNP has a lineup of rotating shows throughout each month. Mondays feature Lunatic Mondays with host Laura Gonzalez, and she alternates her weeks in English and the next week in Spanish. It can't be Tuesday without Circle Talk, and I will continue to be the host for this fun show on the first and third Tuesday of each month. Wednesdays features Nature Spirituality with none other than Selena Fox. The third Friday of each month features Blue Marble, an environmental and eagle activist show. We have such a fun and informative lineup of shows, and I hope you try them all. Tonight, I'm very excited about our guest on Circle Talk. We're going to take a journey of compassion, authenticity, and spiritual connectedness as author Durgis Alain Doriel discusses his new book, Worthy As You Are, Affirmations, Meditation, and Journaling. We're going to learn how to change our everyday thoughts from negative to nourishing to embrace our authentic selves. Durgis Alain Doriel is from San Francisco, California. He's a licensed clinical social worker and a certified holistic health practitioner working in private practice. He's a former practitioner of magic with more than 20 years of experience, a formal, not former, formal practitioner of magic with more than 20 years of experience and has practiced yoga and meditation for over 15 years. He holds a master's degree in social welfare from UCLA. For more information, here's his website and how to get some information on him. You can go to his website at www. Dot Durgis Alain Doriel, that's D-U-R-G-A-D-A-S-A-L-L-O-N-D-U-R-I-E-L.com. He can also be found on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, we'll have to ask him about that, and Facebook. Let's welcome Durgis to Circle Talk. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so pleased to be here. Thank you. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, and I loved your book. Um, it, Thank you. Uh, parts of it were very brave. Uh, parts of it, I felt mm. like the gods, there was a reason why the gods had me have you on now. It's obviously that I mm. needed to read those things. And um, so it, it's just really exciting. And tell us about the process. Your book's just recently been released, correct? Yeah, it just came out on the 8th of September. Yeah just a little while ago. And this is your second book, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. My first book is called The Little Work, Magic to Transform Your Everyday Life, which was also from Llewellyn. came out in 2020, and that was a book about uh, deepening spiritual practice and magic. Yeah. All right. So, and you 
practice a form of earth-based spirituality you shared with me. Yes. Yeah. Well, I would say that earth-based spirituality is very central to my outlook on life and my spiritual practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, and um, again, I love this book and I learned a lot. Um, what was the catalyst? What was the inspiration? Why did you want to write this particular book? Yeah. So basically, where Worthy As You Are really came from is that, you know, I had, like so many of us, a lot of rocky, turbulent experiences in my mm-hmm. life when I was growing up. And um, in my early adulthood, I had the good fortune to go through an intensive spiritual training program and also to study holistic health. And both of those mm-hmm. two things together really helped me find a very profound sense of healing and spiritual connectedness both to a degree that wasn't even really on my radar before or that I didn't even really know was possible for me. And so after that, that's really what inspired me to start writing was feeling like I wanted to share that with other people in the hopes that it might provide them with a similar or even deeper sense of connectedness or Mm -hmm. healing. And then um, specifically, you know, a lot of the the stuff that I went through growing up, um, Mm -hmm. I was bullied relentlessly for a long time, things like that. A lot of the messages I experienced were very against the notion of being worthy as you are or good enough as Mm -hmm. yourself. And so, you know, as my spiritual path um, helped me really connect with the parts of my authenticity that showed me that those messages weren't true, I just, I really wanted to share that with people. The other thing I wanted to say too is that worthy as you are is really a mixture of what I've learned and come to know as a therapist and my practice as a spiritual seeker. So Mm -hmm. part of the other reason why I wanted to write this particular book is I feel like cognitive behavioral therapy, which is the main type of therapy I practice and one of the most popular methods today, it's often portrayed as being sort of a little bit robotic or sterile, and sometimes it can be. but I think there's so much value in it. And then, you know, a lot of self-help material has a lot of the spirit there, but doesn't necessarily have some of the groundedness of the CBT skills. But if you put them together, there's a lot of really rich, rich potential there. And um, that's what I do in my personal life, and that's also what I do as a therapist. So I just kind of wanted to share that with people too. So, you know, I think it's sort of what happens in the self-help world is like, Every generation, people write books that incorporate the gold from the past, but also sort of clean up some of the stuff that maybe was a little problematic. Mm -hmm. And that was also what I wanted to do with this. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say your book, parts of it are very brave. You are very open about things that went on into your life. And and that takes a tide of courageousness and braveness to do this. And um, I will give our listeners a hint why another reason why I really like this book this book could have been very um, dry and heavy, mm. um, and the way you have written it, you give, at least when I read it, you give me information, and then you give me um, exercises, you give me uh, affirmations, you give me things to mm-hmm. do so I can put what I just learned into practice, and that, that is really great for readers to know because this is a book you can read and you can uh, put to practice the concepts really quickly. Mm, thank you. I'm so glad to hear that you didn't feel like it was really dry. That's, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that. Thank you. 
Yeah, well, I mean, and especially a lot of spiritual books, uh, magical, you know, yeah. can be really heavy. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, um, people, you know, when I teach a class or even myself, I'll read something, and I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. that was heavy. I have no idea right. what to do with this thought form I have. And you do a really good job right. of having kind of homework that, you know, yeah. and journaling and yeah. different things um, to automatically – you know, make you use those concepts. And so I think that was really, really, really good. Thank you. So yeah, you know, us, I mean, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go, no, ahead. go ahead. No, I was well, just going to say, say that. I mean, the first part of the book does have a lot of technical information in it. And one thing I actually say in the introduction to part one is like some people, and I'm one of them, really like to know how the healing system they're working with works. Yes that like helps build motivation and just sort of mm-hmm. desire to do it and, and, and understanding and other people are not as wedded to that. So I was kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, if you are one of the people who wants to know how it works, here's all of that for you. And if you're one of the yeah. people who doesn't care, like skim this section, it's mm-hmm. totally fine. Part two and three are very different from this. Yeah. 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 But I'm glad it's that the yeah. exercises were helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I'm one of those people that usually um, read a book and then I go back and reread it and write down things I like. Mm. So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I really enjoyed it. Real briefly, and I know it's such a major part of the book, and it wasn't that familiar to me. Um, and I, um, um, it's really kind of the frame root. Explain to us exactly what cognitive behavioral therapy, which is C C B T. Yes. So cognitive behavioral therapy is grounded in the notion that how we think and how we act affects how we feel. Now, this Mm -hmm. concept has been in ancient wisdom from around the world. You see it in the Mm -hmm. teachings of the Buddha. You see it in the teachings of Hinduism. You can see it in Stoic philosophy. You can see it in Shakespeare. But what CBT has done with it has taken this information that how we think affects how we feel, how we think affects how we perceive the world, and turned it into an everyday practice you can use in your life to question unhealthy or negative thoughts that are hindering your well-being. And that's really what it's about. And so what we do in cognitive behavioral therapy formally in practice is there's a lot of questioning of thought and planning activities that feel helpful, nourishing, um, pleasurable. And the way that I actually break it down in the book is that the ratio is you want to think and act on behalf of your well-being as much as you can, and you want to challenge or stop the thoughts and actions or diminish the thoughts and actions that work against your well-being and just kind of being mindful of that in a general way. And that's really what CBT is about is that we have a lot of power over how well we feel, not absolute, right? Difficult circumstances can certainly Mm -hmm. happen, but we do have some power over how we feel if we pay attention to how we think and act and direct those areas of life in a certain way. And I wrote, um, again, I journal, um, important and I, I had several nuggets of um, treasures that I found in your book that I wrote and I, I love this one uh, that it says and I put myself remember no one plants a majority of what's in their inner garden mm-hmm. yes yeah okay so what I want to say about that is that just, so I use a framework in the book a metaphor of the mind as a garden 
And part of the mm-hmm. reason why I do that is because, like I was saying before, CBT sometimes is thought of as being very sterile or robotic, and that actually turns a lot of people off. But in my experience, it's really more of the inner nature, you know, this inner environment that we have. And we plant seeds of supportive thoughts, and we can weed out unhealthy or negative ones. And then it's just this organic process where you want to take care of the soil that's there. And so when I say nobody plants the majority of what's in their inner garden, what that really means is that by the time that we are adults, so Mm -hmm. much of what we think has been shaped by external influences. I mean, when we're little kids, yeah, when we're little kids, we're just like sponges who absorb all of this stuff around us. And then a lot of what we absorb affects how we feel and how we perceive reality. And then the question that we face as adults, one question is, well, what do I want to do with all of that? Am I going to mm-hmm. keep going with what I've been doing or am I going to try to question, challenge, and shift some of this? And that work is really what inner gardening and the gist of the book is about, making those kinds of changes where we feel motivated to and how. Absolutely. And it's funny, um, I'm a grandmother, so I've been mm. doing a lot of reading and, and about you know, children or whatever, and I read something that was really sad, but it goes into this whole thought process. It says, if you ask a child at five or six in a classroom, who here is a great singer, everybody will raise their hand. If you ask mm-hmm. a, the same group of children at age 10, who's a great singer, no one or very few will raise their hand. So in mm-hmm. a very short period yeah. of time, we teach children they can't sing. Right. So, right. Ab- absolutely. So, yeah, we, we start very young yeah. doing those kind of things without meaning to. Yeah. Yeah, well, and some of it's unintentional, some of it's subconscious, and some of it's so, you know, things people are picking up from their environment without necessarily even realizing that's the message. Like, if you watch a TV show, for example, and everybody on the show is thin, what message is right. that sending? Absolutely. You know, or the only person who's not thin is like the comic figure. What message is that? Sent? Right. So there's all different types of scenarios in popular entertainment that send messages and we absorb them as children, whether we consciously think of them or not. And they shape how mm-hmm. we perceive reality, feel about ourselves and feel about other people and life. Yeah, absolutely. You also use a tool that um, that I've worked with but you made me think mm. of a little bit different that I really like is that you use affirmations and I, I'm mm-hmm. an affirmation person. So um, they make me happy and I have several, but I have a set of affirmations that I've been doing for like 30 years. So uh, mm, um, wow. talk about um, affirmations and your, in, in, and how they can help us. Absolutely. Yeah. So, The first part of inner gardening is noticing the negative thoughts or the unhealthy thoughts that are standing in the way of our well-being and those we question and challenge. But then the second part is planting affirmative thoughts in their place, compassionate thoughts, supportive thoughts. And my orientation to affirmations is a little different from how they're traditionally Mm -hmm. conventionally presented. And what that is about is that a lot of people struggle with affirmations particularly ones that feel like they're very far away from where they are emotionally. You know, a a Mm -hmm. traditional affirmation for anxiety could be, I am always safe. 
Well, a lot of people right. who have really bad anxiety, when they affirm Never that, feel they feel like it's <laughs> yeah. right. They feel like it's yeah. not true, and it makes them feel less and less safe. So, what my work is about in affirmations is finding a thought that maybe you can believe that feels better than you do now, enough to help you out some. And then you just keep walking in the direction of where you want to go with the topic. So, for example, um, an affirmation for anxiety I share in the book is I have effective coping skills, right? Mm -hmm. That's what really helped me was recognizing, you know, when push comes to shove, I'm able to handle myself in a difficult situation. So if I, I'm always safe, doesn't feel like it's working, what about I have effective coping skills? That's a thought I could believe, and it was ultimately mm-hmm. very powerful for me. Yeah, so to me, though, when I was talking earlier about how um, CBT is so good about questioning thoughts and self-help is so good about some other stuff, one of the things I think self-help is good about is just the notion of affirmations, that it makes a difference to say supportive things to ourselves with the caveat that I add about as long as we believe them or don't struggle too much to believe them. But, yeah, to mm-hmm. me, the affirmations are the seeds we plant in the inner garden, and they have so much power. I mean, I have really – you know, affirmations can be treated like a joke when they're the sort of over-the-top traditional mm-hmm. ones, even though many people have benefited from them. But I just mm-hmm. – I'm always – trying to champion affirmations because they have really made a difference for me. And I mean ones Mm -hmm. like I have effective coping skills. It's okay Mm -hmm. to need help. It's okay to Mm -hmm. make mistakes. I mean, sometimes these are Mm -hmm. things we might intellectually believe, but emotionally, subconsciously, we don't. We need help and we judge ourselves critically for that. But if we just affirm to ourselves it's okay to need help, eventually that pattern shifts and then we become healthier and freer because of it. Right. And I think what your mouth says, your head hears. When your head hears, your heart believes. Mm, a big mm-hmm. person that, yeah. And I say them out loud. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> so because, you know, I'm a magical practitioner and I believe in vibration. And, and so, yeah, yeah I, I, I think that they're, uh, uh, and for me, um, and we'll talk about meditation in just a second, that uh, one of my affirmations, I am enough. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So just to, yeah, and I, to remind, because go ahead. I was just going to say, the subject of magic, I really think affirmations are spells. So yes. approaching them that way makes sense. Yeah. Right. And you're right. A lot of people, because I've taught classes and, and I, I teach public classes, and and people um, feel like it's, um, um, uh, well, it's, it's funny because my partner comes from a ceremonial magical background, and I did not. Mm-hmm. So he thought, you know, it's kind of like, fluffy stuff, like where's the deep magic or whatever, but I'm just telling you, you can't say that, you know, although I say my daily spiritual practice is about three times a week now, but you can't say those things mm. all the time, and and it, it is, it's deep magic, it it changes. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So, and as someone who recently was told by a physician that uh, I ignore my body signals and not doing self-care well, I really enjoyed your book. Back to something mm. that I've done and I've kind of let go that I'm going back to is you, um, your book does a really good job talking about meditation and actually shows different postures. Talk to us about meditation. Yeah, meditation has been a part of my life daily since 2005. So it's been quite the journey at this point. And um, basically, one of the central parts of the book is about how powerful connecting with the divine can be 
in a palpable mm-hmm. way and connecting with spirit. And for me, meditation is one of the places where I've most experienced that firsthand. Specifically, the book is about heart meditation. Um, and Hinduism mm-hmm. has taught that the heart is the seat of the soul. You know, that there's, there's a powerful doorway to connecting with spirit right there. And that's mm-hmm. really what that meditation is about is, you know, it also gives us a different relationship to our thoughts, to our impulses. I mean, there are so many ability to relax, ability to let things go for a moment. Mm-hmm. There's so many benefits to it. Yeah. So it's really in there for those two reasons. One, um, but also because it made such a difference for me. I mean, my practice was a combination of ritual and meditation. And that mm-hmm. um, combined with time and nature working every week really gave me such a, a different palpable feeling of spirit and that is what has made such a difference um, also in my healing work because I think that you know when we can perceive our own divinity our own Mm -hmm. holiness it really shifts the healing practice because suddenly it's different right it's it's a different Mm -hmm. process if you know that you are you know, radiant with spirit like mm-hmm. a plant is or a tree or or an animal. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. also do and a I really was good say job too. of... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say you do a really good job of having a wide definition of deity, um, and you use the word mm-hmm. spirit, um, and you acknowledge that for many people the word God triggers them. And so yes. you do a, yeah. a really good job of saying, you know, don't let this word or this word dissuade you you know, just, you know, reform, reframe it into another concept. I thought you did a, a really good job with that. Thank you. I tried really hard with the book to um, leave that stuff open. You know, I, mm-hmm. I share what I use, what works for me, but I was really trying to be like, you know, if you need to modify this language some to work for you, then modify it. I mean, it doesn't matter what I believe. It's can you right. find something for yourself that's going to help you feel connected in a way that facilitates your healing and well-being. And that, that doesn't have to be what I believe at all in terms of a one-to-one with my spiritual beliefs and someone else's. Yeah. But for mm-hmm. me, I do really, um, I, I personally really benefit from, you know, um, the, the earth is pervaded with the spirit of the great mother that kind mm-hmm. of all life is pervaded with that. And that's where I really, really come from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, um, it's funny. I, I wrote my notes in my journal. You, um, and you talk a little bit about those of us who practice magic and the law of attraction and you, um, something that I have a real core belief in you, but I liked your word. You said grounded possibility. Mm-hmm. I really, yeah. I really like that. And I, I really like you do a, a great thing. I, um, tell people that's great that, that you practice magic and you do all these things and you can do rituals so the cows come home, but if you don't do a resume and send it somewhere, you ain't getting a job. Right. So, um, yep. And you yep. do a really good yeah. job of, of putting all of that together. Thank you. Thank you. So I felt a really strong sense of responsibility, and I also talked about this in the little work too, to clarify because I do talk about manifestation, and it's been mm-hmm. such a core part of my experience, manifestational magic, um, to, to be really clear about this isn't victim blaming, this isn't anti-science. Right. You know, there are some, some people who have very extreme beliefs that 
your all of your thoughts manifest everything that you experience. And I'm not one of yeah. them, you know, but there is a middle, yeah, there's a middle ground. Right. right. But, there, but there's a middle ground where you believe, yes, there is something to all of this, but it doesn't make sense for me to blame myself for everything going on in my life or mm-hmm. other things are real too, you know, there's, and so grounded possibility to me is really about like, is, is that middle ground? You know, there, mm-hmm. there is a benefit to thinking thoughts that support my intentions, and there is magic to that. And at the same time, like, if I have a, want to manifest a job, I need to send off some resumes and go to the interviews. And if I have a health condition and there's a treatment for it, let's go to the doctor, right? Like, it's, Absolutely. it's all, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's, um, yeah, I, I totally agree, and I, uh, I like that, and, uh, Sometimes people perceive the metaphysical way or the emotional way, the mm-hmm. easier way, and they and right. I and I always tell people, you know, I live on the physical plane. I don't live in the astral mm-hmm. plane. I live on the physical plane, and so you have to right. honor and do the physical work. You know, the mundane yeah. life comes too. So right, uh, um, absolutely. But, but yeah, the and again, the law of attraction has um, of the hermetic principles has gotten a lot of attention in many, you know what I mean? It's kind of vogue and, mm-hmm. and people know about yep. it, but I don't think that I um, also, and I thought you did a really good job with that. Um, everybody thinks of the law of attraction as far as getting great things. But for me, it also right. works the opposite. If I just want to yeah. think negative, that's what I'm going to gather. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Well, and so, you know, one thing I talk about a lot in the book is compassionate thinking and the power Mm -hmm. of compassionate thinking. And one of the things that I think of in terms of the power of compassionate thinking is, you know, the more we learn how to just be kind and empathetic to ourselves, not, we don't have Mm -hmm. to think super positive thoughts, but just being kind to ourselves, like speaking to ourselves as we would a dear loved one, that in and of itself is magical. And over time, that starts to move our thinking in a direction that supports our well-being and the manifestation of our healthy intentions, you know. And so it's like I think sometimes when people are learning um, law of attraction or manifestational magic, there can be this worry of, oh, my God, I have to think super positive thoughts all the time. And it's like not in my experience. And as long as you just start (laughs) moving your thinking in the direction of being kind and empathetic to yourself, to the degree of your power, that will help manifest good things in your life that you want. And and again, I'm not one of those people who believes our power is absolute. There are other people who believe that, um, which mm-hmm. is where we run into the stuff where it can seem victim-blaming or anti-science. But right. there are also ways to believe in this that are not that. And that's part of where I'm coming from here. Yeah. You talk a little bit about divination, which surprised me and I, I enjoyed. Talk a little bit about divination for yourself. And how it plays into this. Yeah, so one of the things that I share is that um, before doing a big magical working or even Mm -hmm. like if one feels like it's not working, I would do divination to sort of see like, is this a good idea to try or is this a good idea to keep trying? You know, I happen to come from a place with all of this where I'm working on my own personal spiritual evolution, right? So I I want to do things that seem like they're good for me and um, good for others. And in my experience, one of the ways to gather that information is through divination. And another point I make sort of throughout the book is, you know, my experience is that we all have access to a powerful, profound inner knowing. 
understand an inner north star of divine consciousness and divine intelligence that's always there. And this is something we can learn how to access. And one of the ways of learning how to receive that information can be through something like tarot um, mm-hmm. or other divinatory practices. And it's beautiful because, you know, it's, it's just connecting with a deeper part of ourselves in my belief system. Again, everybody can believe what they want here. Like I'm not saying other people have to believe that, but the way that I see it is as this sort of continuum of spirit and we're part of that. And so are this, so is this information or this flow or higher self or what have you. And divination is a way of getting in touch with that. And I like that um, divination systems have some, they're not like a total free-for-all, right? Like if you're studying mm-hmm. the tarot, um, it's flexible, but it's not infinitely flexible, which is I right. think actually helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, because sometimes one of the, the challenges with divination is that people can start sort of like, are you telling yourself what you want to hear or are you actually receiving? Right. And that's where pra- practice is very helpful. Yeah. But it is interesting um, when you're searching for answers or you want to know something, um, when you do divination, and I've been, I will I will be honest to say, I've like, okay, I don't like that reading, I'll do another one. And when you mm-hmm. keep getting the same things, I mean, the universe is trying yeah. to tell you something, you're just not right. listening. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, you talk a little bit about mindfulness, uh, which I think sometimes mm-hmm. that's hard for some of us to be mm, in the moment mm-hmm. and not rush right. around. And, and as someone who was just recently told, I'm burning the candle at both ends. Um, so mm, I really also, yeah. is a chapter I'm going to be rereading after this podcast. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so mindfulness, um, the way that I use it in the book is the way that it's often applied in psychology, which is where, mm-hmm. but it comes from Buddhism and Hinduism, um, which is where we're really trying to just be present, non-judgmentally, non-conceptually in the moment. So you're just being with the action that you're doing and just observing or even just meditating and observing. And mm-hmm. it's about, um, it helps us to go deeper than our thoughts and our feelings and it facilitates relaxation, and it's great for um, dealing with anxiety or worry or anger, things like that. It's a wonderful skill to develop. And one thing I did want to say, too, is that, you know, once you start talking about this kind of stuff, it can sound like this huge, laborious undertaking. And Mm -hmm. in my experience, it's it's really not. It's like what I tell people as a therapist is if you just spend – like if you just challenge three negative thoughts, um, a negative thought every other day, for example, or once a mm-hmm. day, you know, a, a short five-minute process of just questioning one thought, eventually that, and not too long of an eventually, that will create a habit of you asking yourself whether or not the thoughts you're thinking are true, whether or not the negative mm-hmm. thoughts are true. And once that habit's there, it starts doing, it, it starts going by itself. So it's, it's not this laborious thing. And mindfulness is like that too. If you're even mindful for just a couple of minutes a day or a couple of minutes every other day, it starts to foster that ability to be mindfully present. So it's, yeah. it's just about, it's about consistency more than, oh, I have to you know, spend two hours a day on all of these things. Uh, I'm but trying yeah, to it, remember. It can be very fruitful. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, little things, and, and I'm a planner girl, so I will plan things, and I've actually gotten a planner. It's almost become like a memory planner, 
And I'm trying to every day or at least in the week go through and write down the little things. You know, my grandchild walked mm. or you know what I mean? That you mm, forget mm-hmm. and because, you know, you know, you know, a pipe breaks as you forget all this and so I have found that has almost become a type of mindfulness. It has me relived and it actually pulls into me um gratitude. When you write mm-hmm. down, you know, the things that happened to your life and you look and you're like, you know, I have I don't have you know I can't really be upset about that flat tire because look at all these other blessings I have. So mm-hmm. I think mindfulness yeah. helps with gratitude. Yeah, for sure. Well, and actually have in the affirmation section, but I think this was added. I think you had the advanced copy, and this was added after that. Oh. Um, I put in a, gr- a gratitude journal exercise. Oh. And the reason, yeah, and the reason why I put that in there is because I have been doing it for, oh, my goodness, 10 months or something at this point, and it's been so mm-hmm. profound. What it is, mm-hmm. I write down three things a day that I feel grateful mm-hmm. for. And what I, what I didn't know was going to happen was, it was it's made me so much more appreciative of the things that I already like. Like, I, mm-hmm. I thought, oh, well, I feel like I'm pretty grateful. We'll see what this does. I don't know what it's going to do. And one of the things that it did is, in addition to just making me more aware of what I'm grateful for, it made me more aware of my enjoyment, deeper in my enjoyment. Like, the mm-hmm. joke I have about this is, like, tea has ended up on my gratitude journal a lot. Because, you know, if you're writing three things mm-hmm. down a day, eventually you're like, okay, well, tea. Um, but now I look forward to the tea that I drink every day. Um, I'm more grateful for it. I like it more because it's in this journal. And I had no idea that that was going to happen. But, like, I was already drinking it. I already liked it. But now I'm, like, I will be, like, excited going to bed thinking about, oh, I'm really looking forward to drinking that tea again tomorrow. And that's because of that practice. So sometimes little practices like this can really increase our overall well-being or our everyday sense of comfort and nourishment in our lives. Yeah, and I will tell you, I for sure have reactions and get upset, but it, it, mm-hmm. for some reason it's helped me reframe. For example, I had car problems, and so it was like, oh, mm. it was an inconvenient time. You know, I just started a job, I have, you know, and didn't really want to spend the money, yada, yada, yada. And then immediately that night when I was journaling, I immediately said my gratitude was, you know what, it was a hassle, but I had the ability to get the money to get my car fixed. And a lot of people were right. And I am very grateful yeah. for that. So I do think it teaches mm-hmm. you to reframe quickly. Do you know what I mean? And to look at things yes, maybe absolutely. a little bit differently. Yeah, 100%. I mean, because also I'll say along those lines, things that have been on my gratitude journal, modern plumbing, hot and cold running water, refrigeration. Absolutely. Right. Like, yes, yeah, so many generations didn't have all of this. And, um, you know, I, I, I like to watch uh, TV shows and films that depict older times accurately. Mm-hmm. And it's so humbling, you know, and, and it can really be such a source of gratitude to think, goodness, like we, yes, absolutely. Lots of oh, modern yeah, blessings in that way. Abs- abs- absolutely. Absolutely. So, and again, I said a lot of part of your book was very brave. Um, you talked mm, you. Uh, with Candor about your childhood, and um, mm-hmm. you talked a lot about um, 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 sexuality and gender, which mm-hmm. I thought you did a very good job of, because that is a very hard subject to approach. Um, and you mm-hmm. you talk about um, body 
positivities and uh, someone mm-hmm. who's, who's dieted on and off her whole life. You you do a really um, good job at that. Talk about um, talk about some of those things with us and why they're important. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I think that these are all areas of life where we get messages that we're not good enough as we are. You know, that Mm -hmm. there's one way to be or a couple ways to be. And if we're not that way, then we're not worthy or we're not as worthy. And sometimes there's a spectrum. And, um, you know, even if we intellectually know that, like, Hollywood and advertising and fashion drives body image perception, Mm -hmm. um, and it's, like, sort of decided in a a, – boardroom and things like that, that doesn't mean that we're, we're somehow insulated from experiencing insecurity related to that, right? And the mm-hmm. messaging can be so pervasive. And that's where I think it's just really important to affirm to ourselves other truths or truths that help us release some of those harmful stories. And so that section of the book has nine of what I call affirmative talks which are processes of exploring some of these issues and affirming really healthy beliefs in the place of some of these harmful ones we grow up with to help us feel more comfortable with our authenticity. You know, and one of the things that I was sharing, like, in the section about sexuality and the section about gender Mm -hmm. is, you know, I'm a a gay male who's gender nonconforming as a child and was really bullied for that. And the thing is, that was just, But that was just me. You know, that's just who I am. That's just how I was. It was all very authentic. And personally, I think in the broader question of what is healing for our world Mm -hmm. right now, or at least America, a part of that is let's just let people be who they are and embrace that and recognize that, you know, if you're authentically gay, that's great. That's just you, and that's, you know, that's right. what spirit has given to you, and that's beautiful, right? And, that's, and that, it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. And so one of the things that was very important for me in this book was to say to people who were queer or gender nonconforming or trans um, that, you know, we're sacred this way too. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, not, we're not sacred, and then this is a problem. We're just sacred. We're worthy as we are. And for people whose body, body size doesn't match the supermodel figure, same right. thing. You know, this is culturally constructed stuff. I mean, if, if we were all born 500 years ago, we'd have a totally different concept of body image. So, right. you know, re- recognizing that and trying to weed some of that from our inner gardens and plant these affirmative, compassionate thoughts in their place can be very healing. Right. And, and again, it, um, yeah, and like I said, you do a really good job. And, it, and it's funny because you um, reflect about your own mother, which was, again, very brave and uh-huh. courageous and very healing. And, and even myself, and, you know, I would consider myself very liberal, but I have a small grandchild and we're at, you know, Dollar Tree and he, everybody's buying stuff. And my grandson picks up something pink, and I will tell you, I'm ashamed. My first thought is, don't you want blue? I mean, that is mm, so ingrained. Mm-hmm. And he's like, can I have right. this one? I'm like, honey, that's great. You take that. But that is a thought. Do you know what I mean? 
that gender mm-hmm. thing, yeah. especially I'm probably much older than you, that is really ingrained deep within us. And my daughter does a yeah. very, very good job of you be you. She says that a thousand times a day. You, whatever you want is okay. Float your own boat. Wonderful. So, but it, that is yeah. very. You do a really good job, obviously, of forgiving your mother and understanding where she came from. But as someone who mm-hmm. considers themselves very liberal and all kinds of friends, I'm kind of shocked at some of my immediate thoughts. Yeah. Well, you know, this conditioning goes really deep. And it's very, very much something that is in the air. And when we grow up with it, it's infused into us. And it's it's work sometimes, you know, for to really but I think that, you know, the beautiful thing is recognizing it and then choosing Mm -hmm. to do something else, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and something that honors other people's authenticity. I mean, there's a photo of me in my mother's heels when I was two years old. I mean, that's just who I was. And yeah. that was that was and is authentic to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, if we could just sort of let people be who they authentically are and have that be fine um, and, right. and celebrate that, I mean, wow, how much better would so much be? Right. So, but it's a lot of it starts with this kind of work, recognizing what the issues are, weeding those thoughts, challenging those thoughts, and then affirming a new perspective for us, one that aligns with something that maybe we have a deeper sense of being spiritually true, like that everybody is authentically, you know, divine as they are, and that all of these, you know, whatever body size they have, if that's what they authentically have, then that's beautiful. Great. Yeah, I, I, I read a book again. I've been studying i'm a i'm a voracious reader so i read a book and and um the author was saying you know gender and this and that and all this has become a big thing and he said there's always been a hundred different types of gender in nature right there's always been different combinations you know same um sex plants that can reproduce it's like we're slowly catching up to what nature has always known Right. But there's yeah, infinite possibilities. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, sometimes people are afraid of change or things that strike them as new, but it's not necessarily new. It's just a question of what was their language for? What did people mm-hmm. feel free to express? I mean, it's not that there are more gay people now. It's that it's more socially right. acceptable to be gay. Right. And I think that, you know, as we move in the direction of as a society, hopefully, where people are allowed to be their authentic selves and celebrated as that, a lot of this stuff's going to work itself out. Because a lot of the problems come from trying to push people to be other than they are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when there's more acceptance, then a lot of that stuff just sort of evens out. Right. And, again, you do a really good job talks that, and all that acceptance starts with self-love. You have to be comfortable mm-hmm. with yes. who you are. Yeah, yeah. Well, part of where I come from with this, too, um, from the spiritual perspective, is when, in my experience, when I was able to really know that I'm a divine being and that everybody mm-hmm. else is divine, too, and that all the plants of this world, the trees of this world, the animals of this world, everything that's living on this world, everything that's not living, too, is sacred right now, then that suddenly makes other people's lives even more important to me. You know what I mean? To really Mm -hmm. want other people to have 
a comfortable quality of life. So self-love in this sense, it's not a vanity kind of thing. It's not a narcissism Mm -hmm. kind of thing. It's a knowing your spirit and knowing that you are deserving. And as you know that of yourself, you know it of other people too. And that's part of where there's, there's even a sort of um, positive social change element to this work because really if everything is sacred and you treat it that way, what a world that creates, right? Absolutely. And you know the, oh, actually yeah. you can't really love someone else until you've learned to love yourself first. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and what, what are you loving? Right. When you come right. to love yourself, what is it that you're loving? And my experience is that the further we dive down that rabbit hole, the more what we come to is the spiritual depth. And you love mm-hmm. it in yourself. You love it in other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, uh, and it's funny, in my own family, you also have a, um, a chapter, if I remember, on like money and productivity and, mm-hmm. and yeah. material goods or whatever. And it's funny because I have um, two different, you know, I have a child who's, both of my children are successful, but one is very financially successful. And my other child, um, he basically said, I want a comfortable life. You know, I don't have to worry about paying my electricity, but he wants Mm -hmm. time to, you know, to, he's a youth minister at his church. He does whatever. And it's interesting the choices that people make. And you know what? Both choices are okay. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, and a a lot of what um, I have in those sections is that, you know, what you, what works for you is what works for you. You know, for Mm -hmm. some people, they want to have a really bustling career that actually works for them. And for other people, it doesn't work at all. Right, right, exactly. And it, and if it doesn't work for you, that's okay. You're not less than or broken or faulty because, for example, a societal idea about how wealthy or productive or conventionally successful you are doesn't work for you. That's just not that just doesn't light you up, and that's okay. You know, because this goes back into the it's so easy to judge ourselves based on mm-hmm. societal standards, cultural standards, communal standards, and do they even really fit? Did they ever? You know, yeah. where do they come from? It's all part of the questioning process of inner gardening. Yeah, absolutely. And I was kind of shocked. I didn't. I found it interesting that you talked about in this country, how much more we work in other countries, and I wasn't aware of that. Oh, yeah. Well, especially in terms of vacation time, yes. The times that I've been abroad with people from, like, Italy, and, uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. they've just been stunned at, um, yeah, well, and things like it's illegal to work on the weekend in France, which is actually true. Oh, I didn't know that. I mean, I think there are... Yeah, I think there are some exceptions maybe, but like right. yeah, it's like there's this it's just this whole other way of looking at things. And um yeah, I mean I some of my friends from Europe have, I don't know, twenty five, thirty vacation days a year and they're supposed to take them. Oh. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's not this situation where maybe you have you get in trouble eighteen yeah. days a year. Right. But you're but you're really only supposed to take two weeks of vacation at that. Yeah, no, it's not like that at all. Yeah, some of that stuff is Absolutely. very cultural. Yeah, my previous job, they um, they up front denied vacation because they paid you for it. 
And so it was great. You made money, but then you're just exhausted. And what I found is people started getting sick. Um, You know, you can't, you can't go without being refreshed for very long. Right. Very true. Very true. So, So what do you, like I said, I really enjoyed your book and, as you can tell, I've got lots Thank of you. notes, and I'm going to go back and read it. Um, what What are some thoughts that you would want people to know about the book or how to go in it or, or give us some thoughts about your book? Yeah, well, I would just say that it's really a book for people who want to do some deep inner healing work related to their own worthiness and releasing harmful stories, usually from society or family, um, about different areas of life or the entertainment industry. You know, so it's like um, there are those nine areas of life, body image, sexuality, gender, career, money, home, um, self-love, you know, things like that. And um, this book really teaches us not just, it doesn't just offer processes to release those particular thoughts, but it teaches the overall system. <laughs> right, just generally in life, how to question unhealthy thoughts in an effective way and how to create effective affirmations to replace them, you know, how to connect with spirit in our everyday lives in a way that's going to feel nourishing. And then also in the third part of the book, I talk about, like, how to deal with things like anger and guilt, right. um, cl- closure, self-sabotage in a way that aligns spiritual with the spiritual path. Right, yeah, yeah spiritual bypassing. And how to yeah, avoid and doing I will give that. Our, yeah. um, um, our, um, our listeners a little, uh, again, I loved your affirmations, and, and I um, wrote some in my journal for, um, and this one actually I've been doing, and I, it's quick, and so I'll, I'll just give them a, an example of the type of affirmations you have. Eating is a sacred act that affirms our connection to the earth. Allowing ourselves to savor the pleasure of eating and delight in our bodies is part of the joy of being human. Eating well is a path to higher consciousness. That really mm. spoke to me. So I wrote it in my oh, journal. I'm so and, glad to hear that. It's something. Yeah, I thought I'm going to put that in my kitchen. That's. I love that eating well is a path to higher consciousness. So yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, so do you have another book coming? Because I'm going to buy we'll your first see. book. I love this book. So do you have another book? Thank you book so much. Thank you. I mean, we'll see. I have I have an idea, but I'm going to let it sit for a little bit longer. And maybe if I still want to write it in, I don't know, six to 12 months, then I might. I have an idea. Maybe. So the answer is maybe. So, I, I actually, though, really want to work on an affirmation deck first. But, yeah, that's, oh, that's what's on deck. Oh, I am a big affirmation deck. I'm a big oracle deck person. You talked about divination. Um, just mm-hmm. pulling a goddess card makes me think. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's mm-hmm. like they say, yeah. they say, well, any card you pull can have a meaning. That's okay. That's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just makes me yeah. think, like, you know, what's going on in my life? How is this appropriate to me? And so, yeah, I, mm-hmm. yeah, I love things like that. And, and I think uh, a lot of people who follow our path do. They use them as tools. Mm-hmm. And, um, Absolutely. Yeah, and, and they're nice. They're portable. You can take them with you if you travel. I tend to travel a lot. So it's just um, – Absolutely. It's, it's really – it's really nice. So um, was it hard? Are you, uh, and I'm always interested in the creative process. Are you someone mm-hmm. who said, okay, I'm going to write every Tuesday and Thursday, or did you write on the whim? How did the book 
How long did it take you? How did the book come about? Okay, so this book in particular, it's funny because my first book and my second book were so different from each other. Um, Isn't that basically, fun? Basically, what would you say? I said that's just so fun. It's so different. Yeah, yeah, they were so different from each other. So this book actually started, I was going to do a series of guided meditations, which uh-huh. is what the, what the affirmative talks came from. And mm-hmm. then I was, I realized, you know what, I actually think that this could and should be a book. And so I honestly wrote it in a sort of a blitz over like a two week period. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And now, but having said that there was a lot of refinement because it wasn't in the best shape. You know, I sort of just got it all out in its original form and then, you know, sent it off and got feedback from the editors and really worked on it. Um, It needed some tinkering, whereas my first book was more um, just sort of diligently organized, meticulously organized, Mm -hmm. and then I kind of wrote it that way. This was more like a a flowing thing, and then I shaped it and tweaked it and moved stuff around. But also, I'll just say, that's my process as a writer in general. I write quickly, and then I edit slowly. Um, Oh, that's fun. Which, that's just how it is with me. Yeah. It, yeah. I'll I'll uh, get it out there and then I'll just wow spend a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, again, your book was very um, besides being very factual and informative, it was very personal. Um, it was very easy to read. It was very interesting. And again, I really like the exercises and and journal prompts and and I tell our listeners there's a lot of this book has a lot of depth. So um, thank you so was, much. It was, uh, again, I have found that um, myself and a lot of people have problems with books that are very heavy or deep and you don't know what to do with it. And this is something that, like I said, I wrote lots of notes and I have journal messages and say, oh, you know, I'm going to try this. And so, yeah, and it's also one of those books that I think you can, um, you know, if you hit some, um, um, you know, some rough patches in life or not feeling really right. good, this would be a really good book to grab to read some chapters Absolutely. to kind of – you know, reframe what's going on in your life. A hundred percent. Yeah. I'm so glad it resonated with you. Absolutely. And I, I agree. I think that it's, you know, part of the reason why I wanted to write this is because I have really benefited from books like that or talks mm-hmm. like that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just wanted to offer my version of that with what I, you know, my particular experiences in training, but yeah, I, I agree for sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I knew this hour would fly by. Um, um, I really enjoyed talking with you. And like I said, I really, really enjoyed your book. So tell us a little bit about um, your website, where everybody can find you. And I will give, I haven't checked you on TikTok, but I will give you a big compliment. Um, I'm not a social media girl. I know, shame on me. Um, I don't, not on it much, but I do go on Instagram. Your Instagram is excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Your well, little okay, short so little of, snippets is really good. So tell tell everybody where they can find you if they want to be a fan. Yeah. Thank you. So first of all, thank you so much for having me. Such this is such a pleasure. I really enjoyed our conversation. And um okay, Instagram, it's Durgadas Alon Doriel. Twitter, it's Durgadas A Doriel. TikTok is Durgadas Alon Doriel. And then I think Facebook is also Durgadas Alon Doriel. 
Um, so if that's hard to spell, you can just Google worthy as you are, and then there it's right there. Um, so that's, that's where I hang out. Um, TikTok, I usually share therapy, soundbite-y kind of things, like, like okay. things that I've, I've, I've learned as a therapist that tend to be effective in certain situations, how to work that's with fun. anger. I'm, have to, I'm how not to prepare much of a TikTok for, girl, but I'm going to look you up. Yeah, thank you. And then twi- um, uh, Instagram is usually sort of just inspirational thoughts or quotes that, right. um, and they're you know, that, that can be helpful. Thank you so much. Yeah. And then um, Facebook, honestly, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram are pretty similar, except for I tell jokes on Twitter because that's just the oh, nature of funny. Twitter. Twitter is kind of like the bar of social media. Um, but yeah, all my content though really is about promoting well-being through connecting with spirit and thinking in compassionate ways. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and remember listeners, um, you can also purchase um, his books through com and probably um, Amazon and major retailers. So, yes, and good luck. Yeah, I hope your book is very sold. successful and, and it, thank it you motivates so much. you to write more. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And thank you again for having me on. Well, besides Durgis, I'd like to thank David and Jeanette, our sound engineers, for their technical expertise. And finally, I'd like to thank all of you out there, our listeners, for your continued support of all of our shows here on Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast, or CSNP. Well, October is going to be a fun and spooky month for us. Our next Circle Talk will be Tuesday, October 4th, and we'll be joined by author Kareen Kenner as she talks about her book, Gently Haunted. We will discover the playful annex of lingering souls and antiques with spirited personalities on Circle Talk as we talk about paranormal entities from a Florida antique shop and surrounding area. In her book, Gently Haunted, besides her haunted stories, she's also going to share tips for using pendulums, dowsing rods, and tarot cards to help you reach out to friendly spirits of the past. It's going to be so much fun, so please come back. I look forward to being with you all again, so please come back. We will now transition our show with a musical selection. Good night, everyone. Be safe and blessed be. One spirit in the dark Like a candle wavers Many spirits joined as one Burn with the power of the blazing sun There is strength in community
community, a circle empowering you and me. A circle binds yet sets us free. In the goddess name, so mote it be. Lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.